Warning, charity or no, there's going to be some vulgarity. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ZipRecruiter and by Vulgarity for Charity, the annual fundraiser where you help prove that you don't need any bullshit about rewards in heaven to be a good person. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hello, Homo sapiens sapiens. This is Julie LaVoice from the Julie LaVoice Wine and Reason YouTube channel, and I'm here to tell you that we did, in fact, evolve from filthy monkey people of all genders. This is a fact. It's not a theory in the colloquial sense. Look up a scientific theory and learn the difference. It's November 4th. And it's National Skeptics Day. Or is it? <laughs> it, it is. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from hopefully Phil Murphy's <laughs> New Jersey, Mason Blue Town, Ann Arbor, Michigan, yeah. and Red Town Blue State, Waycross, Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, you'll get the chance to vent your Election Day rage while doing some good. The Supreme Court lets Maine prevent mass death, but... On a provisional basis. Mm-hmm. And we get audio proof that the people at Liberty University don't think. But first, the diatribe. It's like they were having a picnic on a train tracks. And we were like, hey, look, there's a train coming. You know, want to move over into this big empty field? And they were like, nah, that train's still miles away. And besides, that field doesn't even have sunflowers. And we were like, okay, but the train tracks don't have sunflowers either. And, and the train's closer now. And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, it, it could still turn. And we were like, no, because it's a, it's a fucking train. And they hemmed and they hawed and they made us promise to plant sunflowers in the field. But eventually, seconds before the train reached them, they got off the tracks. Well, most of them did anyway. And what we learned on Tuesday night is that as soon as the train went by, they laid their stupid fucking picnic back on the same fucking tracks. After all, the sunflower seeds we planted still hadn't even bloomed. So, yeah, once again, a depressing post-election hangover to record a diatribe in Virginia, a state that Biden won by 10 points and one that's been basking in one progressive win after another for the last few years, decided to abandon the Democrats under little more than the promise the other guy wouldn't tell their kids what a bunch of fucking racists they are. They still haven't called the New Jersey gubernatorial race as of this recording, but even if the Dems pull it off, we're talking about a state Biden won by almost a million votes. Which side of the razor it falls on matters a lot for New Jersey, but one way or the other, Democrats lost big on this. Our side could barely be bothered to vote the second the existential threat turned a corner. The threat isn't gone, of course. It's just banned from fucking Twitter. There's another train scheduled to come down this same track, but way too many American voters need to be able to smell the motherfucker before they'll take it seriously. Now, to be clear, this has been true for a long time. Right. The, the, the apathy of the average American voter is legendary, but we used to be more or less evenly apathetic on both sides of the aisle. 
That's no longer the case. Made up wedge issues, increasingly overt racism and bullshit conspiracy theories have left the right side in a seemingly permanent state of apoplectic agitation. Turns out the motivation they could never quite muster when it came to solving real problems was hiding in their bigotry the whole time. See, this is actually another instance where to know what's really going on in this election, you have to look to Moscow, but a different Moscow this time. This time it's the one in Idaho. See, like the rest of Idaho, the city of Moscow is increasingly a haven for right-wing anti-government theocratic nutjobs, but that city's doing it way more purposefully. The Guardian just ran an expose about their slide into municipal theocracy at the hands of Douglas Wilson, pastor and founder of the Christ Church in Moscow. You may have heard of this guy before. Many moons ago, he actually toured with Hitch in a series of debates about whether Christianity was a net good for the world and has spent all of his life proving he was on the wrong side of that debate. He also stirred up a little bit of controversy when he co-authored a book called Southern Slavery as it was, where he argued that on balance, being a slave was fucking baller. Anyway, he runs this church, which, which counts about 10% of the city and its membership. And increasingly, he and the leadership of his church are gobbling up every important leadership position in the city with the stated goal to, quote, make Moscow a Christian town, end quote. Now, don't get me wrong. Small town in Idaho with a population of 25,000 people, they're in no real danger of religious pluralism one way or the other. But avowed theocrats systemically taking over the levers of power should scare us no matter how minor those particular levers are. Think about how little real world experience the good people of Moscow, Idaho have with non-Christians. They're sitting at home staring through the keyhole of One American Network, Fox News and the right wing meme mill swinging blindly at threats that don't exist. And all the while heaping power onto right wing politicians who do exist. And look, this shit is scary enough when it's just disingenuous politicians riling up their base with imaginary bullshit about critical race theory. But the tail isn't just wagging the dog here. It's slamming it back and forth like the Hulk did to Loki after the battle in New York. I, I think it's safe to say, you know, Glenn Youngkin is just a rich guy milking that cow for votes. But there are plenty of people ascending to positions of power who actually believe this shit. That's way more terrifying. Sure, some of them are just paying lip service to theocracy to get the tax cuts. But at this point, a lot of them are also just paying lip service to the tax cuts to get the fucking theocracy. We should be terrified of them. And the most terrifying thing is that according to the election results from Tuesday, we're not. They're becoming increasingly militant right in front of us. They're not trying to hide it. We've covered multiple stories in the last few months about different religious groups buying up large tracts of land for military training. They're not even pretending to respect the wall of separation anymore. And we're sitting on our fucking hands confident that we're not in any real danger until they actually do that cross thing with the Washington Monument, apparently. Look, the overriding message of the last five or six years in American politics is that the Christian nationalists are willing to fight for this shit. And the message we got on Tuesday is that they are alone in that. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the vulgarity and the Ford of my charity. He then writing Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to justify your existence? Okay. Kind of wish you'd ask us that a little bit less. Yeah. <laughs> four votes. Four votes. So just have a more justifiable existence then. Okay. So podcast. Before we get going tonight, I have a super important announcement. November is when we do our mostly annual fundraiser, Vulgarity for Charity, where you supply the charity and we supply the vulgarity. We're teaming up with Tom and Cecil once again to raise money for our favorite charity, Modest Needs. And we've set the ambitious goal of 
doing as well as we did last time, honestly, and raising over $300,000. We're already well on our way. We've got an anonymous donor matching the first hundred grand, but that leaves us a lot of dollars to go to make it. So we're going to need your help. So if you're new to the show, here's how it works. You donate money to modest needs and you help people on the verge of poverty get ahead. And in exchange, we insult somebody of your choice on the air. You're on scathing or over on Cogdis. Now, last time we did this, we got a bit overwhelmed by all the insults mm-hmm. and it took us literally almost two years to get through all of them. <laughs> it's an amazing turnout, great cause, but a little too much for us to handle. So this time we're doing it a little bit differently. We'll be limiting the on-air insults to 200 total. That'll be the top 100 donors plus another 100 randomly selected from anybody who donated $50 or more. Exactly. Now, the fundraiser's already going on at last through Thanksgiving, so if you want your insult read on the air, you need to get the donation in before midnight, November 24th. Just go to modestneeds.org, make a donation, then email proof of your donation along with who you'd like us to insult to vulgarityforcharity at gmail.com. And if it's not a celebrity, the more you can tell us about the person, the better. Picks up a ton. Again, make a donation at modestneeds.org and then send the receipt along with your roast request to vulgarityforcharity at gmail.com. And by the way, we're going to start picking that random 100 before the drive is over. So the sooner you get your donations in, the more chances you're going to have of getting your roast read on the shows. All the details are in the show notes for this episode. And hey, even though we just started this thing this week, we have already reached 12 grand in donations, which is 24 with our $100,000 match. So keep those donations coming. Also, not for nothing, if you're as pissed about Tuesday's election as I am, this is a great way to vent that frustration. Go on, people, reach deep. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we, I think we need a pause to make a donation of our own. So while we do that, we're going to toss you over to a word from this week's sponsor, ZipRecruiter. Hi, welcome to Typical Hiring Agency. How may I inundate you? Um, well, I'm looking to hire a few qualified candidates for a job. All right. Well, uh, how about this guy? Hi. Oh, ah, he's covered in blood. And? And and we're an advertising agency? Well, maybe he's advertising blood. I am not. He He's not. He just said he's not. Well, what do you think I am? Zip recruiter? Oh, what's, what's zip? Oh, okay. You know what? You're covered in blood. You go. It's cool. What's zip recruiter? It's the smartest way to hire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send you the most qualified people for the job. Then you can easily review the candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Wow, that sounds way better than whatever this guy is. It is. In fact, according to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employers use ZipRecruiter's invite to apply get on average two and a half times more candidates, which helps make for a faster hiring process. See for yourself. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash S-C-A-T-H-I-N-G to try ZipRecruiter for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Here, references. That's uh, that's a severed human head you just gave me reference mm-hmm. <laughs> and now back to the headlines in our lead story tonight the supreme court got something right last week yeah for real so let's just bask in that broken clock glory of that mm-hmm. victory for a second <laughs> before we get into the details because as usual in our current political hellscape the details really fuck up the celebration what actually happened is two-thirds of the Supreme Court got something right last week. And half of that two-thirds just kind of got lucky and backed their way into it. So here's what they did. In a six-to-three vote, SCOTUS 
decided not to block the state of Maine on their new law that requires healthcare workers to be vaccinated against deadly diseases. One of those diseases now being COVID, of course. Right. Yeah. So the question is, should a life-saving public health measure that's been upheld by the Supreme Court over and over again for 116 years remain legal, even if religious people don't want to? And it was 6-3. Six, 6-3. Three. Six, three. They yeah. weren't sure about that. Like, I don't think, are you the Supreme Court gets a unanimous decision at this point? <laughs> no, no. If only there was something we could have done to prevent this, maybe in 2016. Yeah. That, there was something. So here's the background in case you missed it. Maine, like many states, has a rule that says healthcare workers need to be vaccinated against stuff that could easily kill people. Sounds like a good rule. Uh, mostly, <laughs> mostly because, you know, people who hang out with healthcare workers tend to be sick sometimes. Sometimes they, they made yeah. a rule they about do, yeah. that. Yep. They've had that rule for decades, but they had exemptions for medical, religious, and or philosophical reasons. <laughs> well, philosophical Yeah, reason. <laughs> those last two are fucking stupid, right. especially now. So in 2019, state lawmakers got rid of them. They got rid of those last two exemptions. And in 2020, 73% of Maine voters approved the removal of those two exemptions in a statewide referendum. And then a group of Christian healthcare workers tried to sue the state for religious discrimination because the COVID vaccine was developed using fetal cell lines. And you can't force people to inject a dead baby into their eyeball. That's illegal. <laughs> so the case ended up with U.S. District Judge John Levy, and his ruling was approximately, yeah, no, enjoy your religion. Please quit your job because you're fucking dumb. I don't want you to be a healthcare worker then. Also, the vaccine is not made of dead babies, but if it was, we fucking should inject dead babies into your eyeball, right. obviously. If we've got dead babies, I do not your eyeball particularly. I mean, you should get, but like you should be in the back of the dead baby eyeball injection line at best, but the point stands, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go last. You get yours at Walgreens in the middle of October. <laughs> so Judge Levy's amazing ruling got appealed and the Supreme Court took the case. I could not fucking believe that. That, that yeah, was it was terrifying that they even considered this. Every time they take a case, any case at this point, the ruling might be, we are the Republic of Gilead now. Yeah. That's what's yep. happening. But luckily for sanity in the universe as a general concept, Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh had their stupid states' rights thing backfire in their faces, and they kind of had to let Maine make a law and then overwhelmingly approve it with a democratic referendum. But... They wouldn't even admit that's what happened, that backfiring, because they're both intellectually dishonest fucking ghouls. Yeah. Barrett and Kavanaugh made it clear in their begrudging snit of a concurrence <laughs> that they weren't ruling on the very obvious merits of that main law, but rather on a technicality. They basically said this case was an emergency appeal and it was on the shadow docket. So we didn't get to hear a full oral argument about the religious freedom to spread a plague, which would probably be an amazing oral argument had we heard it, but we didn't. I guess we'll side with prevention of mass death for now. Gaw. Fuck. Yeah. Hey, you know things are bad when I'll get you next time, Gadget, next time is the good result. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just for the record, the dissent... From Gorsuch, joined by, of course, Alito and Thomas. Of Dream Team. Was a complete embarrassment. Or at least it would have been if those people were capable of being embarrassed by their own stupidity. 
They are not. They Dunning-Krugered their way out of being embarrassed by their own stupidity. It's not a good sign for anyone, if that's the case, let alone three of the most powerful people in the country. According to Gorsuch, Maine's decision to deny a religious exemption doesn't just fail the least restrictive means test. It borders on the irrational. It okay. borders. Okay. The, yeah, the border of irrational is rational, though. It's just a, a is, line yeah. between the two. I, I know you've never visited this side of the line, Neil, but surely you've heard about it in your picture book. It's a Venn diagram, man. You're a Jesus justice of the Supreme Court. Christ. Okay, but hear me out. Hear me out. I sincerely believe that someone should pie those three gentlemen in the face Way more than Christians believe their thing. There you go. They agree my thing should be legal. <laughs> You're right. They think You're right. They I, do. I believe it in my heart so much. <sighs> Thank you for saying pie those guys in the face, Eli. Thank yeah. you very much for <laughs> That's that. That's what Eli meant to say the whole time. <laughs> that is what I wrote in the script, too. Sincerely held pieing in the face. Pie. <laughs> also, you know what does not border on the irrational? Having a sincerely held belief about stem cells based on a book from 2,000 years ago. That's nowhere yeah. near the border. It's all the way in there. Are you serious? You can't even get a train to the border from No, yeah, exactly. You have to, you have to get on a different train. You have, to, you have to take a ferry. And in bullshitting up to Boston news. Of the many problematic bigotries growing up in upstate New York that I've had to shed... Once in a while, there's one that stands the test of time. Namely, my milk chocolatey hatred of the city of Boston, Massachusetts. Which, once again, gave me ample excuse to vent my ire as its mayoral elect publicly declared that she was too busy to explain why she doesn't think religions, aside from the big three, exist. Okay, is she threatening us? Like, no, please don't refuse to explain your amazing philosophy of religion. I really wanted to hear that from you. Look, I, she, look, she is three away from how many religions should exist. That's closer to the right answer than most American politicians get. I'm, I'm, that is true. I'm on board. So far, so good. So the mayor-elect in question is Michelle Wu, who for many reasons besides her itsy-bitsy theocratic bent, is an exciting candidate. Yeah, it's good stuff other than yeah, this, mostly. Yeah. yeah, she's a lady. She's a person of color. She supports Nordic social policies from the 1970s, or as your uncle would call them, radical communism. <laughs> the problem is, she's actually the subject of a pretty serious lawsuit brought by the Satanic Temple over how she ran invocations when she was on the city council. So, as the lawsuit notes, there were 233 invocations given between 2011 and 2017. None of those invocations were given by Wiccans, other pagans, or Native Americans. A complaint that Wu personally responded to by explaining that the invocations were, of course, non-discriminatory. They were just invitation only. Oh, but... Great. That was the good explanation in her mind. No, no, no. The country club doesn't ban people of color. We just don't happen to invite them. You're welcome, everybody. Right, it, yeah. It's cool. Right. Like, so that, that means your discrimination was active rather than passive. Like, like, <laughs> is, your, is your point that you're a go-getter? I don't... Cool. <laughs> yeah. So as a result of that awesome response, Wu is due a deposition in the lawsuit. And that lawsuit was scheduled for election day. This past Tuesday. Okay, so I actually do want to hear her explanation of this now. Yeah. She needs to explain. And look, I get it. She was busy on election day. But 
as a result of the lawsuit's deposition being scheduled on that day, her lawyers didn't just file an emergency motion to move the deposition. They wanted her to never have to undergo the deposition at all, saying that the deposition had, quote, the sole purpose of harassing and annoying the candidate, saying that, quote, if the deposition were permitted, it would encourage future plaintiffs to file lawsuits solely for the purpose of deposing high-ranking government officials at the beginning of their actions without having to make any specific allegations related to such official and actual quote. Guys, we've run amok with the accountability that is that's a new one that's a new excuse if you let them do it against her because of allegations but no allegations is just the next logical step (laughs) first they came for the guilty is not the same kind of poem no no it is not and look chances are that this story flew under your radar but i want to bring it to your attention because it's theocratic bullshit like this that leads to the stuff that candidates like Wu will notice right Atheists and atheist activists like the Satanists, like them or not, are the canaries in the coal mine. And the cave-in is the loss of Roe versus Wade. Invocations are stupid, but they also mean FaceTime with lawmakers. They mean access. And it's super important, if we're giving that out, that everybody gets access to it. Yeah. So congrats to Ms. Wu, I guess. But also go to your fucking deposition and explain why you think Native Americans don't exist. I don't know what to tell you. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Bottom line, still happy she won. Could have been so oh, much yeah, worse. Yeah, right. She's sure, great yeah. in a lot of ways, to be clear. This one, don't like it. Yeah, one of the few silver linings uh, on Tuesday night. And then I'm not at liberty to say news tonight. It's important to remember that even when we already know shit, it matters when we prove it. Right. Like the fact that we already knew Trump was a traitor and a grifter doesn't diminish the importance of congressional investigations into that. No matter what 60 percent of Facebook comments say about him. Is that a real stat? No, I'm just. Oh, God. It could be higher. It could easily be higher. Yeah. mm -hmm. Fuck. But so that's why we were disgusted, if not remotely surprised, to get definitive proof that Liberty University's think tank was actually just a thinly veiled (laughs) effort to elect Republicans while maintaining a veneer of 501c3 legitimacy. And we learned this from a phone call where one of the people running it basically said, we're actually just a thinly veiled effort to elect Republicans while maintaining a veneer of 501c3 legitimacy. (laughs) Hold on. Sorry, I left my phone on. I think it heard me. It just said, did you mean American Christianity since 1980? (laughs) Thinly veiled effort to elect Republicans while maintaining a veneer of 501c3 legitimacy? You know what? It's not so much the insane conspiracies the right accuses of on a regular basis. It's just that they're always, always actually doing that thing they're accusing us of. Yep. But for their side. Exactly. Right. Of course, regular listeners already know all about the awkwardly portmanteaued Falkirk Center, the (laughs) propaganda mill half named after drunken cuck Jerry Falwell Jr. and half named for right wing talking head and much smaller right wing talking face Charlie Kirk. (laughs) This is so much smaller than it is. It's very small. So Liberty University established their global air quote shortage inducing think tank back in 2019 with the grandiose mission to, I'm not making this up, quote, equip courageous champions to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ to advance his kingdom and renew American ideals, end quote. (laughs) Academically, that's yes. with our academic goal. It's that with legal pads and yeah. granola bars yeah, and lemon that, water <laughs> in our WeWork space. <laughs> with cool stand-up desks, if you want. But according to a secretly recorded phone call obtained by Politico, the real goal was, quote, 
getting people elected and, quote, motivating our conservative people to really get out to vote, end quote. And again, this matters because as a tax exempt institution, they're not allowed to do that shit, regardless of what the IRS's history of non-enforcement might suggest. Yeah. And the level of stupid here is fucking priceless. The guy who leaked the story to Politico used to be one of the people running the tank of thinking before he got pushed out. And he's on the call and he basically said, hello, my fellow conspirator. We're just a thinly veiled effort to elect Republicans while maintaining a veneer of 501c3 legitimacy, (laughs) right? I'm not a cop. Repeat that back to me if you agree with me. (laughs) And and the other guy also running it, still runs it, said... Yes, I'd describe us as a thinly veiled effort to elect Republicans while maintaining a veneer of 501c3 legitimacy. Yes, I do. Yep. <laughs> also, my secretary said you sent over this thing about homo says what? What? Yes. <laughs> ah, what? <laughs> Idiot. Yeah. So now the phone call in question was between former Liberty Administrator Scott Lamb and current President Jerry Priva. In it, he pushes Lamb directly to do a better job getting conservatives elected and reminds him that the entire purpose of funding it was to do exactly that. And when Lamb pushes back and reminds him that explicitly endorsing candidates would be illegal. <laughs> he even gave him a shot at an out there. Yep. He's like, that's He's like, illegal. That's, would, wouldn't that be an illegal crime that we would be doing illegally? Primo responded. I'm not, I'm not going to tell Politico about this, but I would just say that that's illegal. <laughs> he responded, quote, I have a 50C3 church. Sick. Really? For 30 years, I've known how to handle that and not get in trouble. The homosexual community has tried to take me down for at least 30 years, (laughs) and they have not been successful because I know how to work the 50C3. Still sick. (laughs) Okay. I love that this guy thinks he's he's been like making moves right yeah exactly exactly yeah. stand one step ahead three-dimensional chess they juke i jive there you go <laughs> what i've been playing hide and seek by myself for 30 years and i still haven't been found <laughs> hide <laughs> and seek <laughs> champion yeah so look getting caught misappropriating a charitable organization by bragging about how good you are at not getting caught misappropriating charitable organizations is the stuff a legend here on the scathing atheist. But honestly, like so is bragging about how, you know, everything about him while repeatedly getting the name of the thing, you know, everything about (laughs) wrong, right? So like twice he gets on the board, but admitting that you're breaking the law has to mean something, right? And the fact that it almost certainly won't really mean something. Well, yeah, it's not like it's something serious, like, you know, a drag queen reading a storybook at a library. Right, no, those things have consequences. I take it serious. (sighs) And speaking of bullshit institutions that never suffer the consequences of their actions, it's time to check in on the patriarchy, so we're going to hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in misogyny. Well, since Noah brought up Liberty University, I guess we should talk about that bullshit, huh? As regular listeners will know, of course, Liberty University is embroiled in a whole lot of scandals involving the response to sexual assault on campus. We talked on the show a little while back about the 12 women who sued the school for policies the plaintiffs claim actually encourage sexual assault. There are at least 10 more women who have publicly claimed they failed to take reports of sexual assault seriously. Well, at the heart of those allegations is a policy called the Liberty Way. That includes bans against consuming alcohol and, in their words, fraternizing with opposite sex. 
And of course, sexual assault often happens when consuming alcohol and fraternizing with the opposite sex. So when a student finds herself a victim, she has to decide whether to risk getting kicked out of school for violating the Liberty Way or keep quiet about being raped. And this is not some paranoid hypothetical, by the way. ProPublica just did a story with several case studies of former Liberty students that say they were kicked out of school for being the victims of sexual assault, and they have a lot of evidence to back that up. Hell, as a standard part of the school's sexual assault investigations, they made several victims sign forms acknowledging possibly violations of the Liberty Way, and even the form itself warns that they could face disciplinary actions. So they literally wave a paper under sexual assault victims' faces saying, You sure this is worth getting kicked out of school over? Anyway, not much new to report here. But since we were already talking about them, I figured it was worth emphasizing that their bullshit tax exemption is the least of the wicked shit they're doing. Of course, it's not all bad news this week. The Supreme Court gave us reason to believe that they might not have tossed Roe out altogether this week. On Monday, they heard two challenges to Texas's new abortion law, and it seems like maybe Kavanaugh and Barrett realized that Not letting laws count because the law was cleverly worded could come back to bite them in the ass. I'm talking, of course, about the nonsense bounties the new law places on women who get abortions and the way they're hiding behind that provision to insulate the law from a judicial challenge. As Solicitor General Elizabeth Preliger pointed out, if they allow this bullshit bounty system to stand, quote, no constitutional right is safe, end quote. And that includes the ones that right-wing zealots care about, like the gun one. And look, I get that maybe they won't overturn Roe until that Mississippi law comes up next month. It isn't much of a silver lining to hang on such a dour week. So I have one more up note for you, thanks to astute listener Paul. See, as wrong as we keep getting it here in the States, at least there's hope somewhere in the world. It turns out that just about the time we were using our elections to roll back the tiny shreds of progress from the last one, Queensland, Australia, was making a bit of feminist history. As of today... They have a woman as chief justice of their Supreme Court, premier of the state, governor of the state, police commissioner, and heads of the state's four top universities. So if you live in Virginia and you're looking for somewhere to relocate, it appears that at least somebody wants us. And on that glimmer of hope, I'll wrap things up and hand you back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. Next up in headlines, in Wilting at Windmills news, it's been a year since Donald Trump lost the election, and the Christian right is still desperately clinging to the hope that God is going to fix it for him. Apparently, the new theory is that God let Biden win without telling anyone, and well, actually, he told most of these people the opposite, Mm -hmm. and ever since, he's been just building the moment, and any day now, if they... Hold their breath just a little bit longer. God's going to put Trump back in office and also send his son Jesus back to earth for that second coming thing that's been on the to-do list for a while now. And we got two different sermons about that last week. And they're so sad and flaily. It's the fucking best. I just, it is. It's fun to watch, but it's also terrifying as fuck, right? Like, so... After the Great Disappointment, the Seventh-day Adventists admitted the world hadn't ended, right? Like, they were literally less committed to their thing, and they're still around 177 years later. (laughs) Imagine what the fucking Church of Trump is going to look like in the year 2198. Yeah. 
Well, maybe they'll have implemented bleach communion by then. So I'm hoping for <laughs> frothy. Maybe they'll look yeah, no, frothy. That's true. Okay, yeah. Long enough time. Left. All right. So I'll start with a sermon from Pastor Shane Vaughn of First Harvest Ministries in Mississippi. Not a good start. So for anyone who's not familiar, he looks like a henchman for a henchman. Like, a, <laughs> like he he's really a JV henchman hoping to make it big, hoping to get his big break really soon on the varsity squad. And... According to Vaughn, God is going to overturn the election. Quote, you've been wearing a fake election and a fake crown, and you've been strutting your stuff with Kamala by your side. <laughs> Jezebel herself. Really? You've been walking around my people as if to say, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, you didn't catch me. You've been strutting your stuff among my people saying, where is your God? Why didn't he stop us? Well, God said to you, enjoy your crown, enjoy your diadem. I'm coming to take your crown off your head, you profane president of my people, end quote. <laughs> I guess he's talking to Joe Biden. Right, yes, mm. yes. So, you may walk like a duck and you may quack like a duck, but I know the real truth. <laughs> I know the canard. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Hey, just like as a general rule, if someone says nanny, nanny, boo-boo, I think it's pretty safe to assume that they don't, in fact, speak for the creator of the universe. I think that's a safe assumption. Thank you. That needed to be addressed. Just a general, like, no matter what else goes on, if the sky opens up and they descend and they're like, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, it's a new Chris Angel special. It's not, it's not your guy. And that's going to bring us to self-proclaimed prophet and heavy metal pirate from the future, Robin Bullock, <laughs> who will not take off that leather jacket. No, he not will not. Take, yeah, uh, yes, I like wearing it when I'm sleeping. I sleep I naked except for the leather jacket. Yes, it. I do. I like this. No, stop it. He, he he looks crazy. You know, he looks like Aaron Ra got like, he looks like Aaron Ra. He looks like <laughs> Okay. Well, great. He, now Aaron Ra is going to use us as blood bags on his dune buggy. So right? great. That's fun. <laughs> He said it, Aaron. Get him I feel first. Like that was that was already going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's true. I'm very heavy to load onto a front of a vehicle, Aaron. You don't want it. <laughs> so, Robin Bullock gave the saddest, vaguest, hedgiest sermon about how God is going to remove Biden from office, or, or something, or whatever soon or later, maybe next week, but like Friday next week, probably <laughs> late on Friday. Or some other time when the cable guy shows up. So, according to Bullock, exact quote, don't be discouraged. And that is a priceless start to the sermon. <laughs> don't be discouraged. As November comes and goes, you just remember something. God is still going to do what he said he was going to do. And in heaven, people that people recognize as president is not recognized in heaven. 666. That was the end what? of his actual sentence there. So, you can look for a big event to take place, probably at, I caught it in my spirit standing here, something, I mean, this is the exact quote, the exact <laughs> quote, something, there's going to be a prophetic event that's going to happen very soon, and it'll be, eh, I don't know if it'll be in this country. Oh, really? Uh, maybe another nation, but it'll be known loudly. It's an event. Uh, I don't know what it is. Aww. I'm not sure if it's nature related or something. What? <laughs> but there's about to be a big event. 
and look for the word title. Okay. And I believe that's connected to a wave of something. Something and Exact quote. Exact Jesus. quote. Jesus. Okay. All right. His existence is a bit, right? <laughs> right? Like, he's, got, he's this time traveler from 2021 as envisioned by a 1980s kid show farce of a human whose increasingly vague prophecies barely qualify as English. Like, if we were just sitting here, like, we hadn't done our homework, and we had to make some shit up to make Christianity look bad, we'd make up Robin Bullock. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who'd have thought we'd have been longing for the psychic accuracy of John Edwards and right. his I'm getting an M. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe another consonant or vowel, something. Something. Maybe in a different language from a different nation. <laughs> this nation or another Cyrillic one. letter. I don't know. <laughs> so here's the big takeaway. We all need to stay vigilant as atheists and Biden people. Keep your eyes peeled for a Something, wave something. Watch out for that. <laughs> an event. Yeah, maybe an in event. And also, watch out for Joe Biden being removed from office in a different country. Because if he gets ousted <laughs> tidally, in Estonia, we're fucked. Tidally, <laughs> tidally ousted. And in I Can't Believe a Leopard at the Face Eating Leopard School run by the Church of Face Eating Leopards ain't my face <laughs> Matthew LeBlanca a music teacher at St. Joseph's Catholic Academy in Astoria, New York, as well as the music director at Corpus Christi Church in Woodside, New York, was fired from his position this week by his Catholic employer for the sin of marrying his longtime partner in a move that he could only have seen coming if he'd paid attention to the hundreds of other times this has yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. Turns out there's a downside to working for a child rape cabal that doesn't recognize your humanity. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> but this leopard is different. Nope. <laughs> so yeah. we've told this story so many times that I'm sure regular listeners can sing along with the words at this point. But LaBanca married his partner, was called into the office, summarily fired and offered three months severance if he would sign a gag order, which he refused. Nice. His students and their parents are horrified that the thing their school explicitly says they'll do happened and they've signed a petition that nobody is going to read or look at. Right. Meanwhile, LaBanca is out of a job with no legal recourse because, and I cannot emphasize this enough, we have literally carved exceptions into discrimination law so that religious schools can do this shit. This isn't just legal. It's not a loophole. It's not under the radar. We have collectively decided that we want this kind of thing to be in the law. Yep. Yeah. And it's a, just normally, this is a super obvious Title IX violation, sexual discrimination. So clear. Even Neil Gorsuch had to admit that. Yeah. If an employee of a different gender married that guy, it's no problem. So clear as sexual discrimination. So I guess now we just need religion to have laws and we're all set right yeah. then it'll be perfect yeah mm -hmm. and look i bring up this story not because it's new but because while a lot of our listeners are blue humans stuck in very red states i know at least a few of you live in seemingly liberal places like astoria new york and some of you are parents trying to navigate the absolute hell that is the american public school system i get it sending your kids to private school is incredibly tempting but when you do it at a religiously affiliated institution, you're not just 
feeding an international rape cabal. You're also funding shit like this. And when it turns out this way, there is not a damn thing you can do about it. Yeah. And finally tonight in getting the band back together, but band like uh, band. This, yes, and, fantastic. And, and yes. But to, to set Passive. the stage for this story, <laughs> I want you to step for one moment inside the fever dream of a pure flicks movie viewer and imagine that a school anywhere in America issued a rule in its official student handbook banning students from wearing Christian clothing or clothes that promoted a Christian message. Murder! Uh, I can't. Now, if you're having a little trouble yeah. with that, because, you know, there's like no theoretical series of events that could even lead from here to there inside a century. Let, let, let's right. let's now try to imagine the school banned clothing expressing some other religion's expression for fear that it might offend Christians. Is that a little easier? That's because it happened. The offending school was Pencrest High in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, and until very recently, their official student handbook literally banned students from wearing clothes that were, quote, satanic in nature, end quote. <laughs> Are those boots cloven? You got to turn them inside out. You can't wear those in school. <laughs> Are those Prada? You can't wear those. <laughs> The devil wears Prada. So, yeah. to be clear, just for clarity, <laughs> the clothes that promote the existence of Satan are the Christian ones. Right. Okay. The, the rock bands took your guy. But yeah, right. He's exactly. Your but he's guy. your guy. He's still your guy. So, so, yeah, the offending passage comes in a section of the handbook that forbids students from wearing anything that advocates illegal or antisocial behavior. Okay, so they have banned Christian clothing. Now I'm confused. Yeah, right, Noah. right. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I'll tell you one thing they definitely can't wear. That would be the goddamn student handbook, <laughs> which includes in its list of examples things that, quote, have sexually suggestive writing or pictures, advocate violence, advertise or promote the use of tobacco, alcohol, or drugs, have double meaning wording or obscene language <laughs> gestures, what? are disrespectful, or, and here's the important one, so I'm going to need you to stop fixating on the fact that it bans double meaning, even I'm though that's a, that's a super thing. legitimate thing to fixate on. I I'm get fixated it. On that. But the point of this story is that they also added are satanic in nature, end quote. And needless to say, satanic is a goddamn religion and they're not allowed to ban those no so local satanist joseph rose said about getting that handbook changed and after much diligence apparently he just finally did yeah they got rid of the phrase satanic in nature from the handbook but you still can't have shirts with like homonyms well, on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless of course the homonym has a triple meaning or more all right and, I want to meet the kid who pulls off that challenge on that technicality. I'll set up a goddamn scholarship for that kid. They refuse, refuse, and refuse. There's something and which there. board, which, uh, okay. Okay, but, but but here's the great thing. This is just like a bunch of idiots at a school board meeting being like, don't wear rock shirts. And some guy showed up and was like, I hear you were talking about my boy C. Tizzle. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's have a conversation about my Lord and Savior, the oh, goat demon. Damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, to be clear, Satanism is a religion. It's it's a non-theistic one, right? They don't believe in Satan and they don't scrawl pentagrams with their own blood. But and here's the important part. None of that fucking matters. As Rose himself told a local ABC affiliate, quote, the idea that a public school would allow religious expression in school, but choose to single out and prohibit the expression of one specific religion 
obviously seems like a problem for us, end quote. And the fact that the only untrue word in that sentence is apparently obviously really <laughs> underscores just how deeply ingrained Christian privilege is in this fucking culture. And quick, while that's still echoing in the air, we're going to close the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. You should have voted for Hillary Clinton. And when we come back, we'll take a trip to the only thing less deserving of its you than Liberty University. Okay, turn over the sign back to zero. It's got to go back to zero. That's fine. <laughs> Zero's my favorite. <laughs> that sign. Thanks to our sister show, God Awful Movies, the recommendations on my streaming services are fucked. Amazon, Netflix, and Hulu all seem to think, with good cause, that I want to spend the rest of the year watching persecution fetish pieces about the war on Christmas. But in fairness, we haven't quite fucked my YouTube recommendations yet, which we're rectifying a bit this week with another god awful mini. So tell us, Heath, what will we be breaking down today? We watched Why God is a He by Dennis Prager. From Prager University. It's the story of Dennis Prager. <laughs> and his perfectly rational obsession with God's penis. And Eli, <laughs> how bad was this mini? Well, if you've been kicked out of Wendy's once again for screaming, God has a cock, damn it, a cock. <laughs> and the only university you could get into was YouTube. You will love this video. I know this is a Wendy's. I come here a long time. Yeah, right. I do this a lot. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So we're going to start off stating the question, obviously. Why is God referred to as a he in the Bible? <laughs> so Dennis Prager wants a non-binary God who goes by they, them. I, my curiosity was piqued at this moment with his start. <laughs> right. Well, it's it's not so much that he wants it. It's that God's maleness is, in his words, quote, one of the criticisms many people make against the Bible, end quote. What? Is that one of the criticisms people make of the Bible? <laughs> As professional Bible criticizers, I feel like my work is being yeah, attacked exactly. a little bit. Right. Yeah, I was like, well, that <laughs> When did we get around to that? There was so much more material. But, of course, Dennis has the answer. It's because, contrary to every appearance, apparently, the Bible is, and I quote, preoccupied with making a kinder, less violent, more just world, end quote. Okay, my curiosity is no longer peaked. Yeah, didn't last long. He sees men as kind, nonviolent, and just. No, Heath, he has a point. You see, the back of the original Bible said, not. So it really did. <laughs> Psych, Bible end. Well, and then he risks a lot of his audience by insisting that God isn't actually male or female, which is, I mean... Technically, sure. that's true. Yeah. <laughs> God is not. But not because, as Dennis asserts, God transcends gender. God doesn't verb anything. Yeah. Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> but Prager explains that the Bible writers had three choices on how to depict God's gender. He says they could choose, quote, masculine, he, feminine, she, or neuter, it. I'm sorry. Did they, Dennis? The authors of the yeah. Bible only had three choices. <laughs> they, they only did. They only <laughs> they did. Mm -hmm. But then, quick before the transphobics click away, he rules out gender neutral pronouns because, uh, well, but because first of all, gross. But but secondly, he claims that there are no gender neutral terms in Hebrew. Okay, 
pretty sure non-gendered nouns do exist in Hebrew. God, for example, you just said moments ago <laughs> that God transcends gender. They have a word for God, right? He also says that the word it doesn't exist in Hebrew, and it definitely does. <laughs> well, so, okay, I, I, admitting I know virtually nothing about this beyond a quick Google, I believe Hebrew is one of the languages where every noun has a gender, and there's like even a male and a female version of of they, but I think gender non-binary people who, who speak Hebrew just switch out their pronouns as they see fit. But it's important to keep in mind that, like, we're not reading it in Hebrew. Right. Right. So, like, right <laughs> or wrong, this is still fucking meaningless. Very meaningless. He also explains that we have to be able to relate to God and who the fuck can relate to non-gender binary entities. Am I right? Totally. Right. I get it. <sighs> yeah. But as if that's not reason enough and Clearly it isn't. He has an additional three-part reason. Three? Oh, I was hoping he would have three more parts. Good. <laughs> yes. No, So because he needs some shit to fly around, some words to fly around the screen at him. First is the fact that the Bible's primary concern is making a good world. Well, the second time around. The second world, yeah. <laughs> and what an incredible admission of failure it is, by the way, to say that that was the goal, right? Like <laughs> The fact that the New Testament even exists kind of makes that a... A uh, useless fuck up out of their God, doesn't it? So, would you say he's crushing it right now? Yeah. <laughs> he's nailing it. Anyway, he carries that thought on by pointing out that, quote, two, a good world can only be achieved by making good people. Again, version 2.0 of people. He killed all yeah. of version one. Also, like, I feel like <laughs> the omnipotent guy has way more options than Dennis is letting on. But here's the conclusion and get ready for an amazing conclusion. Quote, three, the people who commit nearly all the world's violence are males, end quote. Okay, one correct answer from Dennis Prager. Look at that broken clock, everybody. We did it. Yeah, but the key is the real reason that the Bible made God a man is because it, the Bible is so feminist. He points out that, quote, it is in both men and women's interest to depict God in the masculine, end quote. Yeah, I'm sure the women of the world, they really appreciate finally being told what's in their best interest. <laughs> You're welcome, the women. I'm Dennis Prager. I'm Dennis Prager. <laughs> well, okay, but his point, it's not that men need to know God is capable of violence. I know that's what it sounds like, but he's going a different way. His point is that young boys aren't going to listen to some vagina-wielding lady god about rules. And as we all know, Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot, uh, they had two atheist moms. All right. of them all had of them, two all atheist them. moms. They are also atheists. Yep, it's also why single atheist moms only raise murder rapists. Typical. <laughs> yeah, well, and then he goes full, did you know that Frederick Douglass was actually a Republican on us? And points out that even Barack Hussein Obama agrees with him. <laughs> Not really, but here's what he says. In 2008, Obama made a speech where he pointed out that fathers matter. So, same thing, basically. Okay, are we playing with Barack Obama is correct about stuff? Dennis Prager, <laughs> you, you sure you want to go with that? Did Barack Obama say anything about anything else ever, politics-wise? Cut. Yeah, right. <laughs> and cut. Right. Well, and to be clear, the Obama quote that he pulls out in support of his point is just a statistic about how kids with a stable father figure are less likely to wind up in jail as though there was nothing else significant that separated single parent households from two income. I mean, two parent households. <laughs> no, I get it. Okay. 
What we need to do is rub the money on the single moms and their kids do better in school. Yeah. I understand this correlation. Trust yeah, me. It exactly. actually is. You've got to rub it. Ancient Hebrew didn't have plurals. Yes, it did. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, now, to be clear, he's not comparing the statistics of like just moms versus just dads, which is the only way this could even theoretically be meaningful in the why depict God as male discussion. It's single moms versus two parent households. But Despite the disingenuousness of those stats, he summarizes them as young men cannot possibly absorb complex moral dictates like don't murder and don't steal unless they hear a man say it. Okay, just to review, the male God came up with a world that has some child abuse, murder and rape that the mm -hmm. Goldilocks zone was non-zero for that stuff omnipotent god yeah. yep. also his list of 10 rules did not include the not raping which i'm just gonna say a lady god probably would have prioritized over having no other gods before me twice on the same <laughs> list twice. Or, or three times depending on how you read it yeah well and, and then he undercuts his own fucking point by claiming that a masculine god in the bible can substitute for a father in real life which means that those Obama stats either disprove his point or come exclusively from non-Christian house, non-Abrahamic households. He's comparing apple and oranges. He doesn't understand that that's what he's doing. <laughs> right, right. But quick before any of that can occur to you, he turns this point into what I think is a veiled threat. Quote, any discomfort you might feel with a masculine depiction of God is not comparable to the pain we feel if boys are not civilized into good men. If God was just some fucking lady, we'd all be like, fuck her, murder! What? <laughs> yep. Really? I have never wished that God existed, but just for Dennis Prager's sake, I will take one lady God. One. <laughs> right. But just yeah, for just Dennis Prager. Once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also this weird bit where he points out that the whole thing where God is like nice wouldn't work if he was a lady because obviously ladies are compassionate. But if a man sees a man God do it or hears about one doing it fourth hand from a historical record full of known verifiable lies, he'll emulate it. You see? Oh, uh, see, I've always wondered why I grew up wanting to kill all the Ammonites, and now yeah. I know <laughs> from the. Well, okay, so lest you think that we're exaggerating, listen to the like prerequisite sexism in this quote. Quote If God were depicted as female, young men would deem traits such as compassion, mercy, and care for the downtrodden as feminine and would not identify with them. But if God, their father in heaven, who is strong, on occasion, even a warrior, cares for the poor and loves justice, mercy and kindness, then these traits are also masculine and to be emulated. OK, again, how would you say that's working out, Dennis Prager? Good. Right. Is God nailing it. Do you really think that's going well? <laughs> would you say he's known for his merciful nature? Right. Yeah. Or uh, I don't know, maybe his son murdering nature. A lot, a lot of son murdering. <laughs> And, and by the way, if you're thinking that girls also need female role models, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> and I honestly think he's trying to imply that it's because we can pop them in the mouth if they get uppity. He says, quote, of course, girls need female role models, but not to avoid violence, end quote. Okay, well, what if we have another god who's female? Get the fuck out. This is serious. <laughs> Who said that? Okay, wait. He says, of course, girls need female role models, but not to avoid violence. I want to know what Dennis Prager thinks girls need female role models for. Yeah. It's baking. Probably for some vaginal blood thing. <laughs> I don't know. Cooking can be fun. <laughs> yeah, right. 
And then he points out that girls are more likely to obey male authority figures anyway, and he justifies that by bullshitting his way through more statistics. See, in some study or another, more than half of female inmates come from a father-absent home. And as long as you don't pay attention to the fact that the overwhelming majority of single-parent homes are mother-only, that sounds like it might back up his point if additional <laughs> statistics also existed to support it. Right, but... They all came from homes in which God was male, so... No, no. Nailing it? Right, right. Like, even that doesn't actually back up his point. It just comes closer. And then he skates dangerously close to an outright threat by pointing out to women that if they go and feminize God, it's going to result in men beating them up. And then it'll, it'll even be fucking feminine God's fault. <laughs> Don't fuck up religion. That would make it bad for... Women? What, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> when are you? Right. That's every time he speaks, that's what I wonder. And then he points out that with all the absentee fathers on earth already, it'd be a real dick move to take away the heavenly father, too. Yeah, honestly, I would love a child support check from God at this point. Is he offering that? Can we right, get one yeah. of those instead? <laughs> yeah. And then he concludes by freely admitting that he's Dennis Prager, which I feel like should be <laughs> like he should be more embarrassed to talk about that in public. At least. Yeah, same name is a punchline and I don't even realize it. Smash that like and subscribe button. Yeah. I'm Dennis Prager. The end. <laughs> right. And of course, over on Gam, we usually wrap things up with the Breakfast Club clothes, a kind of randomly named conclusion where we predict what happened to the characters in the movie after the credits. Now, the only characters in this mini were, of course, Dennis Prager and Man God. So um, any Breakfast Club closes for them? Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Um, Man God got canceled and started opening for Dave Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis Prager got COVID, raised a bunch of money based on how sick he was from COVID, and then made a video saying that COVID wasn't so bad yes, for YouTube. That, that's real, though. God, what a dick. All right. Well, lucky for us, Dennis Prager has something like infinity thousand more of these things. So <laughs> we'll never be short for content on God Awful Mini. Before we put her in park tonight, I want to remind you to get those Vulgarity for Charity donations in as soon as you can. We're on pace to do good, but not beat our 2019 total just yet. We really need your help. Just check the show notes or go to scathingatheist.com for all the details. Anyway, that's all the blast we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. Can't wait that long to be able to look out for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptic Rat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday, and an even newer episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode wouldn't earn its number if I neglected to thank the newly minted Michigander Heat then right, the oldly minted New Jersey and Eli Bosnick, and the reluctantly minted Georgian Lucinda Illusions. I also want to thank Julie for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. Be sure to check out the show notes for a link to her YouTube channel as well. But most of all, of course, I want to thank this week's best people, Joel, Kevin, Joshua, Dustin, Mike, Jasmine, by any other name, PJ, Treehugger, Prime, Hagen, I Love, Bear, Data Angel 9, and John. Joel, Kevin, Joshua, Dustin, and Mike were so masculine. Dennis Prager also did videos about their dicks. Jasmine, by any other name, PJ and Treehugger Prime, who have so much gravitas, they get honorary Lagrange points. And Hag and I love Bear, Data Angel 9, and John, who are hot enough to break down the laws of physics. Together, these 13 people, phrases, expressions, and devotion, and, um... Theta angels, I guess, help chip away at the theocracy this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money it takes to give us money, but if you do, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but your donations are going to vulgarity for charity instead, good on you. 
The people on Modest Needs need it way more than me, Eli, and Heath do, that's for sure. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robson handles our social media and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also rolled the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scalingatheist.com. I just I want to point that I guess I feel it's worth emphasizing they opened a think tank and failed. Yep, right. Sure they did. failed they to failed think with it. To do the think tank. Their think tank is neither a think nor a tank. Discuss. <laughs> Discuss. Discuss. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm LLC. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved.